0: Hopefully you're expecting the Bible reading to be from 1 Samuel this morning. It's part of our continuing series. Um, You'll find it in the Church Pew Bibles on page 286. It's 1 Samuel chapter 15, and we're reading verses 10 to 23. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 10 to 23. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, I am grieved that I have made Saul king. Because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone down to Carmel. There he has set up a monument to his own honour and has turned and gone down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, What then is this bleating of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Stop, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied, Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites, make war on them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord has assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from their plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the word of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Nigel, and and thank you, Elizabeth and the mission team. You've done a wonderful job in... And keeping us informed of the things that are going on and um, it's always exciting to hear um, about the work of mission we're back in in one samuel if you've um if you've been uh with us uh, at all over the last few weeks um, we're looking at one samuel old testament section of the bible it's a challenging book in many ways isn't it um it's uh, culturally very removed from us. Um, we hear of lots of battles and wars and some shocking things happen. And um, last week we saw um, that the people, um, uh, the people of God had asked for a king. Um, and Samuel, God's prophet, warned them that this is not going to end well. This is going to go badly because effectively what they were doing is that they were going to reject Um, God as their king but God in his grace gives them what they asked for and this doesn't thwart God's plan Um, God can work despite sin and evil that's a constant pattern that we see through the scriptures Uh, and so Saul is uh, appointed um, king Saul the first king of Israel in chapter 9 and things, um, if you go back and use Richard's study guide, you'll see that things start off pretty well. He's victorious. He has battle victories in chapters 10 and 11, and you can read about them. He, he seems like, in very many ways, a decent kind of fellow, and in some ways very endearing. Um, there's a little episode with him arriving hidden in some laundry Um, As he hides away, he's seen as humble and he feels unworthy of the the role. And so what we read, though, over these chapters is that things seem to go wrong for Saul. His reign lasts for 42 years, which seems like a a successful time, doesn't it? 42 years, but it actually spirals out of control and ends terribly, terribly with a, a visit to a medium, a witch, and he finishes up um, killing himself. It's a terrible uh, end. Uh, What went wrong? Uh, Well, What went wrong begins here in this section that we've read. How does a a, a decent kind of upright kind of guy who seems uh, humble spiral into this kind of evil? Let's just take a moment to pray, shall we? God our Father, we thank you for the encouragements that we've been hearing about mission. And Father, we pray now that you would encourage us again as we read your word, that it may affect our hearts. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Since the 1960s, there uh, has been a lot written about self deception. Self-deception is the possibility of knowing something and yet hiding it from yourself at the same time. Self-deception. Psychologists use terms like unconscious motivation, repression, denial, and my favorite, cognitive dissonance. Not that sure what that exactly means, but that's what psychologists use. And our passage is going to show us what it is like Um, For Saul, for King Saul, and how it works out in in our um, lives. So please do keep your Bibles open at 1 Samuel um, chapter 15. And first of all, there's an outline on the back of the notice sheet if you need it. First of all, our ability, just our sheer ability for self-deception. Saul has been given a very specific instruction from God. Read about it in verse 18. It says, he sent you... This is Samuel speaking. He sent you on a mission saying, Completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you wipe them out. Now, God wanted to punish the Amalekites, who we need to understand were cruel and wicked people. Israel was being sent to exercise God's judgment, his justice, but not. To engage in a sense of imperialism, they were specifically told: "You are not. You do not take um, from them. You do not take their plunder. You do not do what they are doing to you and to others. You're not to go to war for profit. Essentially, you don't plunder their good, goods." Now, as we read it about this story, and maybe you're using the the guide. I'm sure it raises lots of questions for us. This text sounds horrendous when you read it, doesn't it? And it it is horrendous. Um, But we've got to remember that we're reading uh, here into a context. God is a just God and will not let sin and evil persist unchecked forever. The Amalekite nation were descendants of Esau and had for over 300 years, more than 300 years, been a nation of, of murderers committing atrocity after atrocity and especially against God's people. And God says to Saul, to stop the Amalekites, I will use force, but you must not profit from it. Not one bit. Why? Because that would make you just like them that's really important now how this fits with God being a God of a, a just God uh, and of course God being a, a loving God um, we need to understand through the lens of the New Testament and Jesus' death on the cross as he took the justice he took the wrath of God for us now of course there are going to be many many questions around this um, about um, warn about God And we can't address those specifically now. But what I would invite you to do is ask me afterwards or come to our next Open to Questions, which is going to be on the 28th of October in the evening at 6 o'clock, where we're addressing these kind of issues under the title, Does Our God Cause War? Does Our God God Cause War? And so come along to that. Now, for now, let us get back to the question, how did Saul get to this place? Let's, Let's think about that. How does he go from this kind of humble uh, guy, decent guy, becoming just like the Amalekites, taking and plundering uh, and taking prisoner the king, Agar? And the answer is self-deception. Self-deception. Look with me at verse 19. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in eyes of the Lord? Saul answers, comes back, But I did obey the Lord. I went on the mission. The Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agar, their king. It's really difficult to see in our translation, but in Hebrew there is no word actually for obey. It's really about uh, the word um, listen. Replace the word obey with listen, it would read more, Why did you not listen to the voice of the Lord? You didn't really listen, did you? Saul says, but I did listen to the voice of the Lord. You see how self-deception plays out here. That human heart has that almost uh, unlimited capacity to hide the truth of God's word. To hear but to not really hear what he's saying. It's possible to know and not yet know. Um, And, of course, it leads here to some terrible consequences. Let's just take a a moment to look at the pattern of self-deception. And stage one of self-deception is denial. It's denial. Verse 13. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, before Samuel can get a word out, Saul said, the Lord bless you, I've carried out the Lord's instructions. To quote Hamlet, the lady doth protest too much, methinks. <laughs> you know, he's straight out there, isn't it? With the deny, with the, I've done it. Saul knows deep down in his heart that he hasn't listened, that he's repressed it. He's justifying something he knows is not right. We do that, don't we? I do it. I was thinking about this this week and uh, when, I, when I, I was thinking about I remember when I got, first got married to, to Hannah, of course um, she used to go to work uh, while I would stay at home um, in the holidays because I was a student um, studying theology and she would then give me a list of things to do uh, around the house uh, you know, a bit of cleaning, a bit of uh, hoovering all these things and that was a good thing and um, she would come in after a hard day's work and say, did you get the cleaning done like I asked? And I would respond, yes, my dear. <laughs> the fact that I may have only hoovered one room <laughs> was not the point to me. That's a quite a humorous level, but, you know, it can get more serious, can't it? Think about, for example, um, this situation. Uh, Johnny, who is a brilliant musician, has been getting into trouble at school. The teacher calls dad in and says, We think Johnny is stealing and he's causing lots of fights in the playground. How does the dad react? My son is innocent. He wouldn't hurt a fly. It must be, the, be those other kids because they're jealous of his musical ability. But at home, Dad knows, doesn't he? He knows, but he doesn't know. It's a mechanism of denial, isn't it, which has consequences. This can happen at so many um, levels, uh, some really serious levels. When the, uh, I was reading about this story about when the Allies liberated the German town of Odruf. They also liberated the Nazi concentration camp um, there. The guards had been trying to incinerate the bodies before the Allies had arrived, but they didn't manage it. One of the US generals there, when he came into the camp, he saw the bodies and immediately promptly vomited because it was a horrendous scene. He went into the town that was right next to the camp, and all the folk in the town denied knowing anything that was going on. Uh, The general said, well, whether you did know it or you didn't know it, you can come and help um, bury the bodies and give them a decent um, burial. So they came to the camp, everybody, including the mayor and his wife. That night, the mayor and his wife committed suicide. And they left a note that simply read, we didn't know but we knew. Denial, isn't it? We didn't know, but we knew. Same pattern of self-deception at work makes nice, decent folk complicit in the most wicked and heinous of things. We have enormous capacity, you and I, to do the most evil things. Saul shows us this pattern. Step one is denial. Step two is shift the blame. Verse 14. What then is this bleating of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? And now listen to Saul's answer. The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle. The Hebrew text doesn't mention actually the word soldier, it just uses a vague they. They did it. Now, I don't know about you, when I was young, in my household as a child, there was somebody called somebody. <laughs> you may have had the same kind of somebody in your house. Somebody has taken it, somebody else has done it. My mother used to go on about that a lot trying to shift the blame onto somebody. Hannah, somebody distracted me from cleaning the house. It was my fellow student Alistair's fault that we spent three hours playing cricket in the garden and drinking coffee. (laughs) But on a more serious note, the dad of the musician, somebody is setting my son up. It's somebody else. Somebody's jealous. You see, we shift the blame, don't we? from denial to shift the blame. Thirdly, we justify. We try to justify our actions. And it's there in verse 15 and in 21. It says 15, it says, Saul continues, they spared the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. We're going to hide behind the justification of our religious practice. That's what he's saying. That's what I'm going to do i going to do it for the Lord, because it's about div- I'm doing this, keeping the sheep so I can devote them to the Lord. Trying to hide behind religious actions of sacrifice. And what this point in verse 16, Samuel just says, stop. Stop. There's a very um, famous story about Elizabeth Elliot who was a, a missionary, seems very apt on Mission Sunday, who are, if you ever get a chance, read anything by Elizabeth Elliot. Tells a story about her brother. Um, and her brother and her were told by mum and dad that they could play with the bags from under the cupboard and bring them out and play with them, as long as that they put them back and tidied them away afterwards. That was the, what they were to do. One day, though, her brother had played with the bags and left them out, strewn out all over the kitchen. Um, but then he went on to play the piano because he was learning the piano. He was quite good at the piano practice. And he was playing hymns. He, in comes his parents, sees what has happened. Uh, what a mess. They're not very happy. He gets told off. And he says, But mum, I'm playing praise to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> then the dad walks in and says... There's no use singing to Jesus when you're being disobedient. No use singing to Jesus when you're being disobedient. Verse 22 To obey is better than sacrifice. Do we hide behind religious practice? To hide the fact that we're not doing what God has asked us to do, we're not listening. Doing stuff as a massive way of deceiving ourselves, of justifying ourselves. This is what makes it possible for a kind of decent bloke like Saul, who's humble, to do, to spiral to the absolute death. Let's not kid ourselves. This is us too. You might be, you know, you could say, well, you might be in business. Um, for example, and you say, I know that I cross the line sometimes, you know, and play a bit shady and close to the wind, but I'm no Bernie Madoff. You remember Bernie Madoff who, who stole millions of pounds, who was a fraud? Well, what do you think Bernie Madoff said? He said kind of the same thing. Well, I may have stolen a million dollars or two, but I'm not like I've killed anyone. What do you think the mafia boss says? Well, I may have killed a few bad people, but I look after my mom and I'm no Hitler. You see how it spirals. Denial, denial, blame, justify. How, to, how are you going to break free from this? How do you break free from it? Verse 17. Samuel said... Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And notice in, back up in verse 12, it says that Saul had set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone down to Gilgal. Why is Saul kept the plunder for the battle? He kept the plunder from the battle Because he wanted to make a name for himself. He wanted to become rich. Why has he kept King Agar, the king? Because if you kept a king in prison, you became king of kings, lord of lords. Now, as far as I can remember, there's only one person who gets that title. God himself. The only answer to stop self deception is first it's there in verse 17 small in your own eyes and second know it is only god who has made you great only god has made you king and exalted you the only answer is those two things that is what went wrong with saul and what goes wrong with us saul has been made king by god He's been anointed king, chosen man to rule over Israel. What grace, what honor God has bestowed upon him. He's given him his spirit. Why would you want to keep things and do it a different way? Saul had forgotten. Forgotten that he was small in his own eyes and that it was God's gift who made him great. Think about the dad in with the musical son. The dad thinks, I've raised a great son. He's such a great musician. He puts all the awards and the grades up on, the, on pictures all around the house. What is that? It's a monument. It's a monument to who? To his son? To his own honor? Or to what a great dad I am? I, he's saying, isn't he, I can't accept any other information from the school that might jeopardize the fact that I might not actually be a very good dad. It's okay to celebrate achievement. Of course it is. It's wonderful. But what happens when these things become the basis of your self-identity, of who you are before everyone? Because when that goes, you won't be able to handle you won't be able to handle it. You'll finish up self-denying, blame, justifying. The only answer is to stop the self-deception, is to be small in our own eyes. Why, do, why didn't I follow through on what Hannah asked because of my own pride? I say to myself, Gu- guys, don't do the cleaning. I don't want to admit to my wife that I don't want to do it. I'm the man around the house. I get to decide what I do when I like Don't you know that I've got monuments in my name? I've got degrees, I've got this, I've got that. I'm going to be a minister. I can't be doing this. It's too below me. It's me. Self-deception. I'd forgotten to be small in my own eyes. I had to think it through. Saul's ultimate self-deception was that he didn't really know who he was. He'd forgotten that he was small in his own eyes, but God had made him great. He'd forgot that God had honoured him. He had heard it, but he'd not heard it. He hadn't grasped it. You see, on the one hand, we need to know that we're small in our own eyes, and yet on the other hand, we need to know that God has made us great. Saul started to make his military success, his political power, the way he became great. Do you see? Of course, it led to his ruin. It never sunk in just how honored and blessed he was by God, how much loved and how favored he was, that God had chosen him. And he didn't need anything else. And the Bible tells us that every Christian, if you're a Christian here today, every Christian, even the humblest, the smallest, whatever you call it, has been made great by Jesus Christ through his death and his resurrection. We are members of his royal family, 1 Peter 2. We are heirs. We are kings, but we're not the king of kings. Anointed to serve. That means we need to Look at our wealth in Christ Jesus, to know it, to see what we've been given in Christ. As that sinks in, as the Holy Spirit takes the word and beats our hearts with it, it dismantles that pattern of self deception. It's not something that comes easy. We need others to help us, we need each other to help us, to tell us, where are my flaws? Where am I denying? Where am I blaming? Where am I justifying? Can you help me? Small groups are great for that. And as we come to King Jesus, King of Kings, the anointed one, we see God's grace, who we really are. He's made those who are small in their own eyes, great. Anointed kings and queens. And that is the truth will set you free, will set you free from self-deception. Let's pray. God, our Father, we need your help in this. We know our hearts are deceptive above all things. We pray, Father, that you would show us the areas where we deny, where we blame, and where we justify. And, Father, we pray that through your word, by your spirit, you'd show us just uh, a sense of our smallness, but yet our greatness, that you have made us uh, part of your royal family.